Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. Monica, it's a bonus Saturday episode. Happy weekend, Armchairy. Yeah. So we um, had a fun opportunity to go down to Dads 2.0, which is a conference of just dads trying to be good dads, which is lovely. Yeah, learning about all kinds of different dad stuff. Yeah, dad stuff. And we got to talk with Reese Darby, who is a dad. Yep. I fell in love with him in Flight of the Concords, and he's also in the new Jumanji, Jumanji The Next Level. Oh. Ooh. I know they filmed a lot in the sand dunes, so I'm excited about that. Yeah. But yeah, we got to sit down and talk with him about being a dad. So here it is for your listening pleasure. Saturday armchair. Maybe you're getting through a little hangover. This'll... Perk you right up. This'll gently lower you back down to earth. Enjoy Reese Darby. He's an armchair Reese Darby, welcome. Hello. You carried a book out with you that you wrote. Yes. With a few ghostwriters, or you did it? <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm very hands-on. Okay. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, I wrote it. It's a children's book. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a dad. Yes. Yeah. I'm a dad. Go yeah. I've been a dad for a while. i got two boys. <laughs> you sounded like you were saying I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> I'm a dad. Uh, I'm a dad. I'm a dad. You're going to find out sooner or later. <laughs> it just happened. I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, now I've got to deal with it. How many kids do you have? Two. Two. Yeah. Boy or girl? Boy, boy, girl, girl. Two boys, 13 and nine. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's their names. That's not their ages. Their names are 13 and 9, <laughs> okay. which is confusing because they're actually 7 and 19. Yeah. It's, they only had one year where it made sense. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to sit like that now. Yeah. Do you find that when, when I chat with people, I tend to mirror what they're doing? Does it ever occur to you like when you're having breakfast with somebody? Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm like why, why am I doing this? And then, yeah. oh, well, he was doing it. And now, I've, now I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I know. It's oh, no. weird. They call that something, right? Like a man spread. It's like a power move on a yes. subway. Man spreading. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not to be confused with man spread, which is delicious and low calories and high in protein. True. Yeah. I'd like to say right now, though, as a man, and I think some men here will back me up, it's not <laughs> a thing that we try to do. I'm not going to sit down I, right now. I'm going to spread and, and man it. You know, I mean, <laughs> we just sit down, you yeah. know, and also we have junk. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm not, stuff. you know, I'm just defending men for a second. I'm not like a root. I'm not, but I do like, I do sit like that a lot. So well, sometimes they need to be snuggled and sometimes they need yeah, to air out. Exactly. So, so when I first heard about man spreading, my, I got defensive initially because I was like, I have a protuberance down there. I have mm. business. Is that what you call them? Yes, yes. Yeah. At any rate, I did get defensive, and I tried to explain that, well, you know, there's a lot going on down there, and sometimes you got to kind of spread it out. Yeah. But then I saw some photos, and no, this is, di- this is a different thing. This is, <laughs> this is assholes just like, yep, so this dudes, is my yeah. space. Yeah. This yeah. is my territory. Is there dudes out there tonight that territorial it like that, like full, you're not going to admit it, but if we went quickly, we've got a small drone camera. Just send it round. Let's have a check it out. <laughs> and a couple of dudes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. They're, they're they're showing a few people out. Great. Well, good. We got rid of them. Now, 
how long have you been married? Or are you married? Well, well, let me preface this. Yeah. Because there's a cultural difference between uh, Reese and most of us here, which is you're from New Zealand. Another planet. Uh, yeah. Country. <laughs> yeah. Left off of a lot of maps, I recently learned. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. So I've been sort of helping to run a campaign whereby we find New Zealand <laughs> on maps. Uh-huh. Has anyone here seen a map without my country on it? Yeah, yeah, Ikea famously yeah. sells one. That was the most recent one, yeah. uh, which was embarrassing for them because they are just about to open a store in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Not, the, not the best public outreach yeah. start. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the things I'm into. But I do want to say you're from New Zealand, and when I, I did a movie down there some 15 years ago, and I found that many, many people that lived there um, had unions and had children, but they didn't get married. They're just, they would say, my partner, and that was yeah. new at the time for me. Yeah, we're kind of progressive, very modern, one of the most modern, think, forward-thinking countries, I like to think, in the world. And so, you know, we, de- we definitely, the weddings still happen, but there's a, certainly a lot of de facto relationships, a lot of couples who are just, yeah, this is my partner. And, uh, you know, I've got six kids. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we still, I still have a lot of kids. What but do you that's think just, bad, you know, no contraception. Is that, so would on. you say... It's, we do have it. It's old. It's like from the 70s. A lot of it's yeah, 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 like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a long time since you pass it around. Shipment. Have you, yeah. you finished with the, the condom? Because <laughs> I'm thinking of having fun tonight. <laughs> You're going to have it all day? Or? <laughs> yeah. You think yeah. you might finish up with that sometime soon? <laughs> Is it a more secular society? Why do you think they're so able to kind of reject that formal, traditional... We have always thought outside the box. We're very individual. Uh-huh. We re- it's because of our isolation. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. who's been there? Has anyone been? There's a few yeah, people yeah. have been there. Yep. I remember mm-hmm. you guys when you came. Yeah. 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 So this yeah. guy, it was a big night. Uh-huh. <laughs> you still got the condom? Because you could... Uh, yeah. So I need that back, actually. That's the country condom, if you don't mind. It's up. <laughs> so yeah, I think we, we are isolated. Next stop literally is Antarctica. Further Fuel up. We're further away, yeah. further away from Australia than people think. That's why sometimes we just get missed off the map because yeah. they go, well, we've got Australia, that's quite a big continent, and then, oh, that's it, isn't it? That's and, you know, <laughs> no one draws in the other little islands or the no, uh, no. Pacific Islands, of which we, you know, we are one, but we're just a very big one. Yes, you are quite a, quite a large, good-sized one. And I would imagine, because I have this even on a regional scale, which is I'm from Michigan. You know, we're raising kids in Los Angeles, and I'm sure lots of it is just in my head, but I often am aware of like, oh, there were kind of some values in Michigan that I would like to hold on to, and then there's some pretty cool values in California that I'd like to incorporate. Yeah. But I wonder how conscious are you being from New Zealand, and then do you, you live in Los Angeles, yeah? Mm-hmm. And do you ever think like, oh, I think kids would turn out better if we were back in Auckland? Do you have well, a fear? <clears throat> absolutely. But this is why, you know, I, I refuse to stay put. Uh, I mean, I'm a man of, I'm not a rolling stone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well. But I, I well, yet, although, uh, but I do, I do like to keep on the, I'm on the run. Let's unpack that for one second. Do you, would you say, because you, I suffered severely from wanderlust, do you have wanderlust? I think there's certainly a bit of that. But it's also put into the career choice that I've come up with. Right. Uh, or the one I was, I, I was given through the stars, you know. Right, Meant right. to be. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> As was ordained by yeah. the universe, yeah. So part of that is, you know, certainly leaving the isolation of, you know, the most beautiful place in the world, New Zealand, uh, and then going... Yeah. Sh- 
Irish yeah. uh, via Michigan uh, straight to uh, Great Britain, sort of the motherland for us, being a Commonwealth country. I grew up obsessed with British comedy. Well, yeah, I was wondering because if you grew up here in the U.S., yeah. you're obsessed with either L.A. or New York. Those are your options. And yeah. so being from Michigan... When a kid would transfer to our elementary school that was from California, it didn't matter what haircut he had, clothes, he immediately was elevated to the coolest kid in school. Justin Tashura was his name. Um, <laughs> he wore striped lead jeans, and we were like, we must get those. And they're from California. But I wonder, if, when you grew up in New Zealand, is London that destination? Yes, definitely. It it's kind of like we go there, we feel like there's a, a connection and so we go, we'd, normally we do what, with, what we call the OE, which is the overseas experience, okay. which means just going to London. And, uh-huh. <laughs> and then we work there. Just you going get, to the country that's <laughs> nearly identical, but on the other side of the world. You go there yeah. for two years and you work in the bars. So you become, yeah, and then when your visa runs out, you come home and you say, oh, I've seen the world. It's, <laughs> it's quite similar. Seen, seen what the other yeah. world. <laughs> you know? What's the queen like? I didn't get close enough. (laughs) But, um, and from there, I guess it is the gateway to the rest of Europe. And, you know, but being a a comedian, I got to see a lot of Europe and and then also the Middle East, Africa. And then coming to America was something I thought would never happen because of the whole, it just seems there's no access in terms of being part of the Commonwealth, I can work in these other places. But America was kind of like, well, you've got to get a green card. The green card, you know. Yeah. You're going to have to find some low self-esteem single yeah. in Nevada and marry her. Marry to someone. To gain access. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's almost in the too hard basket uh, uh-huh. for us. But then, of course, it happened. I was very lucky to to get on a TV show, Fly to the Concords, oh, which guys. Got, some of you guys know. Made by my friends and, uh, and HBO. And so they said, come and do that with us. And, you, and I said, are you sure? And I said, yeah. And I said, okay, well, I've never acted before. But before we get there, because uh, Fly of the Concords is in my top five comedic things ever made. It's so brilliant. Um, oh, you were you. so fantastic on it. But you were before that, you were in the military. Is there conscription in New Zealand? Is it like Israel where you've got to? No. Oh. No, I loved it. But it is weird explaining it because why would I do it? Why, you know? As... <laughs> well, I just, I want to get to the part where you know Morse code because yeah. to me that makes me feel like you're a time traveler. Like I didn't realize any human <laughs> modern world that you can do that. Yeah, I was pretty much officially, and I tell this to people so that it is official, I was the last of the Morse coders. Come on. Um, I learned it in the yeah. military. Excited. Yeah. And then, yeah. At the time, and this is the New Zealand Army, yes, we have one, and this was 1991, I joined up. Uh By the way, prior to this, I was in the uh, cadet unit, you know, like like uh, as a a kid. ROTC here, kids do in high school. Yeah, yeah. so um, we had this thing called the Air Training Corps, the ATC, similar thing, so it's like an Air Force equivalent, and then there's Army cadets, and so basically my mum sent me into these, like, it's just once a week, and you go, you put on a uniform, and you march around, and sure. you learn a bit of war history or something. I, I, I don't know. It was, it was yeah. to get me off the streets, you know. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Where, what, did you if have... I was on the streets, watch out, you know. It was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I was, Take cover. Yeah, I had a spray can and everything. I was like, oh, quick, get him in the army. He's going to spray something. <laughs> did, were, you, were you raised by a single... Mom? Yes. You were? Yeah. Me too. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. So, yeah, mom was... Do you have siblings? Yeah, I got uh, I got four. 
Single mother, five kids. Well, no. Mum and dad were together with the four kids, okay. and then I turned up. In the wash. Nine, yeah. <laughs> Nine years later. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I just crash landed in uh-huh. Nana's backyard, and I was found. Uh-huh. So dad freaked out and left. Okay. And so okay. then mum was like, well, I'll look after him, I suppose. <laughs> But Nana did a lot of the looking after as well. And I got three sisters. Oh, so wow. Very, a lot very, of female yeah, energy. Female, strong. Yeah. And then my brother who, you know, we get on, but mm. there wasn't a big connection there. Well, it's a huge age gap. But I do wonder, because I didn't have a dad around. I mean, granted, I'd see him every other weekend. I trash talk him way too much. He did give me hugs and kisses. I could have done a lot worse. With that said, I didn't have a male in the house whose approval I was gaining. I had a five-year older brother, but he certainly wasn't going to give me any because why would he? So I have been on a relentless course of getting malapproval from the get-go. I just jumped headlong at it, and I'm just curious at all if like the military is any extension of that oh, experience for you. Yeah, I think there's a possibility, but it, I think it was mainly down to two things. I watched way too many war movies in the 90s, and uh, I wanted to be part of a team, part of something. I wanted to go overseas and I wanted to rescue some POWs or or something to be part of an action team. Rambo style. Yeah, Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And so, and the other thing, well, I like machines. I like tanks and Mm -hmm. costumes, uniforms. (laughs) Costumes. Uh, I I like pageantry. I I like hats and helmets (laughs) and accessories. Always have. I would go down to the army surplus store and buy a lot of crap. Yeah. And bring them home, and, and I had a wardrobe full of like webbing and helmets and things. And Mum would say, "What are you doing with, with all this?" And I said, "And I would dress up in this and go, look at me." And she'd go, "What? What's it for?" And I said, "I'm an army man." And then you know, and then eventually she said, "Why don't you join the actual army?" So I did, and uh, you know, and, and I enjoyed it because of the equipment and the fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I learned to fire all this weaponry, like rocket launchers, oh, and yeah. you know, it was a bit of fun. Absolutely. Uh, just at targets, you know. I never thought of, you know, the bad stuff where you sure. actually go and kill people. Yeah. And I was a kid. I was 17, you know, and then 18, 19, I got older. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so you I, chose to get older. I chose. Yeah. I didn't, and I'm, and I'm still trying to, you know, go against it, which is why I've never grown up. But I think during my teenage years as a soldier, I realized, oh, it's not really the soldier I want to be. It's the actor playing the soldier. <laughs> right. Which, of course, yes. I, from the beginning when I was buying the stuff and just... You want to rescue people in the day in the costumes, and then you want to sleep in your own bed at night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want it to just be make-believe. Absolutely. And so when shit started to get real, like you guys are shipping out and getting paratrained, actually, I got brought into the office my lieutenant, uh, he said to me, you know, there are other options for you. And (laughs) (laughs) when we used to do a lot of marching, I had a lot of fun. One of my best friends in the army was uh, Brenda Cunningham. And we used to have a good laugh. Always had a great sense of humor. And we used to march, you know, as you're marching along in a group, we would hold hands and Uh we'd be in the middle (laughs) marching along. Uh And and then... And then one day the sergeant major said, all right, halt, you two, Darby, Cunningham, come here. And we'd, and we'd march over, were you holding hands? <laughs> no, we sure don't. no, of course we weren't. You were, you were in the middle, you're both holding hands. You can't go off to war holding hands like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
We won't do it when, when there's a war. What, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, carry on. So there was funny, and I just used to, uh, I had a great sense of humour, still have, hopefully, yeah. and I see the lighter side of everything, and so for me, I guess I live in a bit of a dream world, and yeah, so I yeah. didn't really realise what I was doing, and then eventually, like I said, this commander, he gave a pamphlet to me, which had the university on it, and drama, and he said, you know, there's other options for you, and, I, ah. and he said, why don't you go to university and study drama, and I said, well, I get the time off for that, will I? <laughs> he goes, no, you could just leave. <laughs> that reminds me of one of the times I was fired in high school. I worked at a shop that worked on cars, and, and it was my birthday on Friday, and my boss said, tomorrow's your birthday. Take, take Friday off. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And he goes, and then, you know, Monday, just give me a call. We'll see what's going on. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> What? Is, what? No, Monday's uh, my, my birthday's Friday. It'll be long over yeah, by yeah, Monday. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, "Yeah, just let's just check in on Monday, and we'll see what where we're at." And then I called on Monday. He's like, "You know, just keep staying home." The, like, the, he uh, doesn't have it in him to say you're fired. The the casual soft let go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got the same from the army. The soft let go. The yeah. casual. So I left, and then yeah, I think in university I realized it was the actor playing it and so I, I kind of I, then I got into well I got straight into comedy was the first thing I was in the university sketch team and then uh, I had my own comedy duo with another guy called Grant and we would do sketch together and music and then from there progressed on to you know just wanting to do more and more and then went solo and then you know and how, how did you end up meeting um, the Flight of the Concords guys so I met them in New Zealand they're from Wellington I'm from Auckland windy so we, Wellington yeah so they're from the windy capital so I didn't see them much on the sort of burgeoning sort of uh, comedy world that was happening which was you know in New Zealand it was fairly new around the sort of 1995 96 when when I started so I wouldn't have met them sort of around about 2000. And that was only briefly as they were sort of formulating their ideas. And then we really sort of connected in Edinburgh during the Fringe Festival. And that would have been 2003. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you started working together. And then Flight of the Concords for people in L.A. was a very inside... All comedians loved it. It was like a comedy for comedians. And, yeah. And so I assume that that opened up a bunch of different doors being on that show to you. Oh, it opened up everything. I yeah. mean, I, I, like I said to you, I never even dreamed that I'd get into America. I, you know, I thought it was kind of like a, a big world that I wouldn't really get to sort of see. And here I am in the thick of it on an HBO show. We yeah. didn't even know, you know that that's this, the big thing. And I just got this, my first acting job. And in New York City, <laughs> right? Yeah. In, yeah New York City, in New York City, I'm in there. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm young, good looking. Uh-huh. I mean... The world was my You were oyster. like 6'4 and 230 I back was. then, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You know, Beautiful cool. looking guy. <laughs> Just a gorgeous <laughs> figure. <laughs> so there I was with these guys and we created this thing together and I'm improvising. We're doing a lot of, you know, the band meetings for the most part. We're just trying to really make each other laugh and hold it together, which yeah. is so difficult. But we had the greatest time and we did two seasons of that show. They decided to end it because it was just too much for them. They were creating, this is Brett and Jermaine, the Concords, they were writing the whole thing. They had other writers as well, but they, had to, they wrote all the music, obviously. And then every episode had two music videos in it that yes. they had to make. It was just a colossal, but you know, if you've seen it, it came out wonderful. And it was a, but it was a lot of, it was a heavy workload. Yeah. But I guess the point is, is that 
thanks to that show and thanks to America, you know, accepting me into the, into the realm and then that show being a worldwide hit that I bounced off and got other jobs after that. And, and you I, could tour I then, toured, right? Yeah. As a, as so a... I went back to stand-up because I'd been doing stand-up for like a decade before then, yeah. but I didn't do much in America. I just had to go back to the UK because, you know, I was actually earning money there. Yeah. But then eventually got the green card and that was, I got the green card after that show and, and then we decided, my wife and I and our, uh, we had one or two children at that point, a um, couple of them maybe, we, we thought, let's make the move and let's come to Hollywood and let's see what you can really do. Yeah. Darb Meister. And so... To me, that was one of my own quotes. Moniker. And having not had... or What age did Dad depart immediately? My dad? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's always been around, but he, okay. he sort of just... Uh, they'd separated after I was born and then, I, and then they divorced a few years later. But he's been around, but he's kind of, you know, done his own thing and... It's a difficult. Yeah, so when you had your first kid and you didn't have presumably a great role model, mm. did you have anxiety about any of that? Did you think, I got to be extra vigilant to do this right? Or No, my, I, I have, my wife, Rosie, is such a strong person and she's really the dominant one out Rosie of Rosie O'Donnell, people don't know that you're married <laughs> to her. Oh, now it's but, out. Yeah, uh, sorry. No, no. Uh, <laughs> She always takes the reins. I'm um, sort of in the background trying on costumes. Uh, <laughs> so I, I found a really good dad costume and put it on. <laughs> and uh, so then, no, it was easy for me to, I just love play. So kids, for me, it's just naturally, I just play with them like we're best buddies. So that's, I just play toys with them and create stories and do all funny voices. And, you yeah. know, and I'm still doing it with my nine-year-old. I still go every night, I, I jump into bed with him and still read to him. Uh, yeah, he's quite capable of reading his uh-huh. own <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Nice. We had a really cool guest on, John Gottman, who is the Gottman Institute, and he's a clinical psychologist. And, mm-hmm. he, and we kind of got on the topic of kids, and he said, you know that the real role that men can play as fathers is that dads play. Dads like to play. Dads like to wrestle. And it's such a critical part of growing up you know if you watch chimps like just the wrestling and the contact and the physicality all that stuff is so vital to these bonds and everything and I know that nightly I wrestle with my daughters and it's 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 the highlight of my day and they're fucking tough you know they they hurt me regularly (laughs) yeah and you have three boys two two yeah I have a question for you both. Oh. Since you guys both had dads that left, do you actively make it a point to parent in opposition to them? Whoa, stumped. How do you mean? Like, make sure that I that I don't leave. I leave all. That's true. Well, you're not there now, so good job. Okay, another day. I look at my, my calendar. Don't leave. I said, right. Dude, I was going to leave again. <laughs> Dad would have left. I won't do that. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I imagine... No, I think that's a great question. Well, just because I assume that has led to a somewhat difficult relationship, but maybe that's not true. Maybe Darby's just... refusing to acknowledge that his childhood had anything to do with his current life on planet Earth, but I will right. not deny that I am the results of that childhood but for me I'll say this for 32 years I was resentful at my dad and I thought I was the victim of his kind of negligence 
And then within the first year of having my daughter, I realized, oh my God, he was the victim. To miss out on this would be so much more painful than to miss out on having a dad. Mm. And probably by the age she was two, I was like, well, I already spent more time with her than I was, you know, than my dad spent time with me in 18 years. So we're already wow. in, the, in the black now. So that's yeah. good. So for me, it was, it was kind of hugely impactful, also hugely healing and cathartic to go like, just to realize that, that, oh no, the, the saddest thing is that he didn't get to have this thing I have. I just get so much out of the experience it is the foundation for my self-esteem. It's the thing that makes me feel very best about myself. I'd much rather be a mediocre actor and a great dad than the reverse, you know? Yeah, here's to that. Well, for me, I think dad, you know, he, there's other siblings. And so, like I said, there was this family of the, the mum, dad, and the four kids. And then, and then, then they, each, each of my siblings has three kids as well. So he's got lots of grandchildren. And, and then there was like this gap. And so I felt like he's already experienced all of the children and he didn't, you know, he's like, I don't know. Uh, and so I had nothing special to offer. Like, oh, I've got two kids, dad, man. Yeah. Except oh, yeah, I have seen kids, mate. Uh, so as you've been raising these kids what have been some of the uh the more like perplexing the more challenging moments where you're like oh I gotta really think this through like the next step is probably crucial it feels important and I need to really know that this is a defensible action I'm about to take is it just is they're, mm. they're, they pop up all the time for you or moments in their life well you know they're both different and and I think, you know, that's the old adage that no two are the same and you think you've got one sussed and the first one is, is an, was pretty easy, remains a pretty easy child. The second one, definitely more difficult. Uh, his, his brain works very differently and he's definitely more challenging, but in the same time, uh, it's way more rewarding, some of the stuff that he comes up with. And yeah. when, when, we, when we meet those challenges head on, he comes through and, and he's so intensely loving. So, and once again, I, you know, I'd love to say that I get amongst it and, and nail everything, but I have to give credit to my wife, Rosie, yeah. who, who, <laughs> who uh, really, stop putting that out there, because if someone, if someone, someone's going to believe it. Uh, um, but you know what, the, I, I'm so, so much comedy that there's very little seriousness about me, and that, that's difficult as a as a father. Right. To, I mean, imagine, you know, like go, go to your room. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, yeah. people are already laughing, and it's kind yeah, of like yeah. it's hard to be that dominant force. With the second one in particular, you know, with some of the difficult situations where he wouldn't do, he's very stubborn. He's very ah, stubborn. Won't uh -huh. do certain things, and you. So we had to manipulate our ways of of how we make him do it. And so it's such a difficult learning curve. And, and for the first seven years, it's just been, we're knocking heads, the wife and I, about how are we going to get him to do this or not do that when we, you know, we can't lock him in a room or we can't, you know, uh, he just refuses to, he's so headstrong. And, yeah. and I blame you, Rosie, because you're, yeah, that's what you're like. You're so brilliant, you know, and, and he's not all floppy like me. As parents, we have to change 
because we can't be ourselves 100%, because you, like we, we fall into that trap often with the first one, and we're like, yeah, we've got it sussed, and it's easy, or whatever, and then the second one comes along, and none of those tricks work of just right. being yourself. You have to completely change and realize that these little people are humans as well, and they've got complex brains, and they are going to do things their way, and they are not you. And so your methods of, you, of how you are are not going to work. And so you've got to adjust, and it's, you've got to drop your own stubborn ideas. And that really adapting, which I'm going back to the army now, because it was like uh, adapt and overcome. It's one of the slogans. Right. You know, I think it goes with like not having a very big budget in the New Zealand army. So you've got to adapt. Like <laughs> we, we didn't, we couldn't afford ammunition for our guns, <laughs> so we used to make noises. And I was good at it. So would I'd jump, come out of the trees, going. You know, and and people would go, oh, shit, he's got something powerful there, run! <laughs> and I'd go... Oh, you know, anti-aircraft, you know, and, I, and often I'd yell out, anti-aircraft! You know, and oh, shit, he's got anti-aircraft. So it's just adapting. And then one day, you know, a guy parachuted in and saw me doing all the noises, and I was busted. But up until that point, <laughs> but that is the that is the most wonderful. And you know, that's just with parenting is that we have to change and adapt. And you find out about yourself the things that don't actually work, because <laughs> uh, you think, oh, we're all you know, this is who I am, and I'm pretty brilliant, and uh, <laughs> you know, I've got it sussed. And then, hang on, I'm I'm not. I'm an idiot, or I'm I'm really mean, or I, you know, I. And you know, your partner normally will tell you that too. Yeah, you they're can't nice do it about like that. that. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, so there's yeah. definitely a lot of back and forth and I'm watching Rosie do something with him and I'm thinking, that's not going to work. No, you've, you've, <laughs> you've screwed that up, you know, and then she'll come back and, and what, what would you have done? You know, and I'll go and do my version I'll, and I'll come back and she, that didn't work, did it? I was like, no. <laughs> oh, we've had, yeah, we've had like, <laughs> we've had the conversation where I was like, fine, hon, you do it your way. Four weeks. I give you four weeks oh, to get them wow. to stay in bed all night and then it's my turn. And then on that day, I'm like, all right, let's get into it. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. didn't yield any better results. You know, yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> That's good, though. Now, you've written a book. Yes. Could you tell us the name of it? So this is my first children's book. It's called The Top Secret Undercover Notes of Buttons McGinty. Mm -hmm. And basically, my idea was I was a reluctant reader as a kid. A lot of boys struggle to read, they're not interested, they're out. Well, I'm boys are dumb, just yeah. in general, right? Yeah. yeah. They're dumb, yes. yeah, they yeah. like physical stuff, yeah. you know, and, and dressing up and, and whatever. <laughs> well, hold on, okay. <laughs> but um, I, 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 you know, graphic novels I quite liked. As a kid, I was like, oh yeah, it's got pictures, you know, mm -hmm. I can go with that, there's some action there, a few costumes. So, but... <laughs> you love your costumes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but then so I wanted to write a predominantly though funny. I had to for me had to be had to be funny. I thought so. What what will my boy, the younger one, the older one, Finn? He's uh, he's thirteen now. Never had any problems with reading. He read all the all the Harry Potters when he was like eight. You know the whole thing. Yeah. And so the second one though, you know he he's less interested in the reading, yeah. Um, yeah. but super smart. So. So I got asked by uh, Scholastic to write some books. There's a lot of comedians are writing children's books. There's uh, David Walliams. You might have heard of him from the UK who does a great number of, of fantastic funny books. I wanted to have a point of difference. And so, so for me, I wanted to, A, handwrite the entire book myself, and B, I wanted the book to be kind of like an Indiana Jones journal. 
So it wasn't just a, a, a linear story. It wasn't a, you know, then he said that and went down there and she said this. It was mainly a collection of notes. You might, if you found like first this, person yeah. diary entry, yeah, almost. like a diary. Uh-huh. But uh, so this is the boy, Buttons McGinty, twelve years old, goes on this crazy wild adventure because his parents are both presumed missing. Okay, and so but not presumed past. Well, we'll see in the sequel. Okay. You'll see. Okay. Yeah. That, that that recipe seems to work for Disney. Boy, they like to kill those parents oh, really? right out of the oh, gate. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, oh, you, yeah. You can't even make it through the title sequence without losing a parent yeah, or two. They're gone now, so yeah. you're on your own. <laughs> yeah. And enjoy. It's the start of every great yeah. Disney film. Yeah. So anyway, he's sent to the school. Like It's kind of like a prison school, like Alcatraz. It's on an island. Okay. In the middle of nowhere, like between New Zealand and Antarctica. So even more isolated than you know where he's where he was from, where he's, uh, he's from New Zealand, because it's you know, essentially me. Uh, so, <laughs> and so basically, my idea was that it would be a book of his notes that he comes up with while he's figuring out, you know, this plot of what's happened to his parents. And so it's also full of drawings. I did all the drawings myself, mm. and it's, there's a lot of Morse code in there. Uh, good, good. <laughs> because I'm the last of the Morse coders, and I really want to bring back Morse code. That's such a cool code. Do you, do you have any kids. fantasies that there'll be some kind of apocalyptic event mm. and that they will need yes. a Morse coder? That's the like, one. we need to find a Morse coder. Yeah. You do have that fantasy. I think so. I yeah. will now. <laughs> you should. Yeah. I'm going to have that tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll be there. Okay. But you'll, right. you'll, you'll need to be rescued, you see. Uh-huh. And you'll uh-huh. be in your dungarees. Uh-huh. Well. And dangling somewhere. Yes. Where's hon- Reese? You know, and, uh-huh. and I'll hear that. Yeah. And I'll be... And when you read... I presume you read this book out loud to your... I read that every night. Well, this is the one book my son, Theo, the younger one, the one book that he was so excited about having, read, and then made me read it to him, and then took it everywhere with him, to school, to the restaurants, where he's constantly reading it. Oh, and, man. Uh, so I was really, really proud. Because, yeah. You know, now I'm just halfway through the second one because I know that he's waiting for the next book that he's interested in. <laughs> oh, so that's I've got him great. reading. Yeah. I want to I ask you um, one question before we go about the fact that you have two boys, that proposition scares me. I'm often grateful that I have girls for numerous reasons, but one of them is the thing I learned about becoming a man I don't think is worth passing on, or many of the things, a lot of them still are, but I think it's a really interesting time to have young boys and to to think about what is masculinity? What is it to mm. be a man? The world's a different place now. It is. Or we're and changing it into that better place, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I always struggle with this one. I always think like, man, if I had a boy and there was a bully on the bus, and man, I would only know what to say to him what my dad told me, like, you punch him for, you know, like, it would be so tempting to just perpetuate this thing we've kind of all been victims of. And I just wonder, especially... Sounds like your boys are at that age where it's like they're really starting to construct their identity and, and what all these things mean. And, you know, is that, is that at all? Do you think about that stuff? Yeah, I, I teach them to hassle block with your witch darts. So, yeah, you can easily uh, hassle block with your witch darts? Yeah. Is that masturbation or something? <laughs> <laughs> what not, you want to do? Try is not get to do that on a bus. Out. Yeah. Uh, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, humor can override anything. 
Yeah. And so if you're lucky enough to have wit and be good with it, and if you're not, practice it, you know, uh, because any hassles that come your way, you can block by just being, I guess, smart and really, and really funny and make sure you're not alone because, <laughs> because you say something witty that's going to bring that guy down and then he, he sort of, you know, he gets hurt and then realizes there's no one else around and then goes, boom. Yeah, yeah then, not too many guys have been burned and been like, I've been bested, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to break your nose, but now. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so the other thing is, is have friends and also be really socially positive and have a good energy about you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when I was at school, I, I was kind of like very much in with the geeks. And I had, there were some cool kids that liked me because I was funny. But um, really, in my lunch times, you know, you either go and sit with one group or the other. I was kind of like a social butterfly because I had so many different groups that I had to go and connect to to make sure that I was kind of like giving the laughter to everyone. Sure, sure. Yeah, and Slash I didn't do that. Seeking I just, approval from everyone. I, like I wasn't I do. doing to. I wasn't a seeking approval. Oh. I just enjoyed, you know, regaling my stories mm. uh, <laughs> and showing my costumes. And so I think. <laughs> <laughs> It's, a, it's always a difficult one, but yeah, this is a, a very much a different world, and both my sons, particularly the older one who's now f- who's 13, his friend group, uh, there's girls and boys in there, mm-hmm. and every other uh, gender yeah, of, yeah. of person, and so, you know, it, it blows me away and it makes me happy. They mix so much more these days than, than they did in our day. Right. You know, our old, in the old days. There's this tremendous documentary that we recommend all the time to people called The Mask You Live In. Did I get that right, Monica? Yeah, you did. Have you seen this? Oh, I've heard of it. It's really it's tremendous, especially if you're raising boys. It was quite eye-opening to me. I realized I checked every box of the cliche of what you're supposed to do as a man, you know? I don't think I would. No, not in the positive way. Not in you're a positive saying, way. Yeah. No, no. So it, the very base of it is... We define boys, here at least in this country, I don't know how it is elsewhere, in opposition to females. So if you're a coach of a young boy, the worst thing that that boy can be is playing like a girl, acting like a girl, crying like a girl. Only thing worse than that on a playground is that you're gay. This is like one thing even worse that you could be than female. And this residual effect of defining boys in opposition to females is, well, if the worst thing you can be is female, how on earth do you not start feeling superior? How do you get to college and you achieved masculinity through being anti-feminine and then expect the boys to have some foundational respect for women or feel like they're equals? And in all these very simple ways, we're giving clues to these boys, and I just think, oh, wow, we're, we're on the precipice of redefining what it is, and it's encouraging, and, um, and if I had a boy, I would really hope to have seen this thing. It was, I really applaud the people who made it, and maybe you'll watch it if, you know, you get it, if you're not reading your book too often to your kids. <laughs> um, I will watch it. That's what are the costumes like? And- oh... Well, good well, and... mask is in the title. Oh yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. a masquerade ball. Oh, I like that. Right, I've got a few of those masks. Pageantry, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff. I love it. Yeah. Well, what are you in right now? What do you got? You have this book, which well, is well, I'm, I'm, I'm fantastic. Really, I've got a few of these with me. I want to sell these while I'm here. Okay. Um, gonna... And I think you'll really love it if you're a reluctant reader, um, boys or girls. Basically, for me, 
I'm really proud of this, and there's a sequel coming. And you're selling them out of a trunk of a Toyota Camry in the parking yeah. lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a maroon Cash Toyota only. Camry license plate. <laughs> Seven niner, and I'll be there till three a.m. Um, <laughs> tonight. And once that's done, as I say, I'll be on the run again. Basically, the New Zealand Army are just trying to track me down, <laughs> and I've been on the run for years. Uh, so I've got to stop doing these big public appearances and, and getting in movies and stuff. But, but then Jumanji, I'm doing that. Oh right. So that's Jumanji three. Mm. A lot of people think was well, yeah. Yeah. The second one was so good. They've done making another one, so I'm 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 involved in that. Well, Reese, I adore you. Thank you so much for coming and being a part of this. I too have a book. It's not really a book, but Hello Bello is a company that my wife and I just started that comes out Monday, and it's all plant-based products for babies, diapers, wonderful stuff, wipes. It's all good for the planet, and it's uh, crazy affordable because I have a chip on my shoulder about rich people. So, oh, that's good. <laughs> So please see Mr. Darby if you want to get a copy of his book. And we thank you guys so much for letting us come and uh, yeah. do a little thank you short for version me. of our show. Thank you. 